This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to the Wharton Sports Business Show on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Welcome back. This is the Wharton Sports Business Show on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. This is George Perry, joined by my co-host, Ken Shropshire. And we just got off the phone with Jason uh, Teitler uh, talking about the fifth annual Super Bowl survey. But we are now going to switch gears and uh, because we are very fortunate and pleased to have Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 Conference Commissioner, uh, who was also appointed to the inaugural NCAA Division I Council. Uh, and he also is a chair of the Football Oversight Committee. Um, and before uh, becoming the Big 12 commissioner, he was the athletic director at Stanford University. So clearly, uh, Bob has a lot of experience in college sports, and that's been a big topic of conversation uh, over the last few weeks, uh, college sports in general. So, Bob, we are very pleased to have you uh, on the show, and welcome to the show. Uh, great to be with you, George, and uh Look forward to our time together. Thank you very much, uh, Bob. For our, for our listeners who you know, we have some avid fans, and we have others that that may be tuning in and aren't aren't uh, you know completely aware ex- exactly you know your background a little bit. Can you just give us a little bit of your background and how you made your way towards uh, towards Big Twelve uh, Conference Commissioner? Well, I sometimes wonder myself. <laughs> I have uh, I have about. 35 years in the intercollegiate athletics uh, realm. Uh, I started out at the University of Iowa after after graduate school, and then uh, within a couple of years, I moved to the University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls, where I was assistant athletic director for facilities, and uh, was there for three years in that role, and became the interim athletic director, and and subsequently the the athletics director, and. Remained there for seven years and then moved back to the University of Iowa and stayed there for 16 years. And then once all my children were out of high school, my wife and I uh, took the adventure to California to Stanford and stayed there for seven years. So, uh, And for the last five and a half years, I've been the commissioner of the Big 12 and our offices are in Irving, Texas. So as uh, uh, it's Ken Shropshire here, Bob, Stanford alum, so uh, uh, glad glad for all the good work you did for us back then. <laughs> not, not, not as excited about everything going on now all the time that you do, that some of the great great teams that you got coming out of your conference that are giving us some trouble. But, but, but tell, tell our listeners what, what you do as the, as the conference commissioner. What, what, what do commissioners do day in and day out? Well, I'm, I'm fortunate. One of the things I really like about uh, my work is that no two days are alike. Uh, I spent all morning today uh, talking with lawyers. Um, I, I just assumed that that was My condolences. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I just assumed that that wasn't the everyday occurrence, but it's been that way uh, more frequently uh, than uh, it probably should be. Uh, but I, I spend time, uh, we, we consider ourselves a service bureau for our members, and we spend time trying to drive revenue. Uh, I spend time working with our television partners, which are one of the principal sources of our revenue. Um, recently, we have um, have been involved in negotiations to uh, put those uh, contracts in place and and then manage them in the aftermath. But we uh, we also have re- reinstated our uh, football championship game at the conference level, and so myself and our staff have spent 
a fair amount of time on that. And, and beyond that, uh, we really spend a lot of time trying to um, execute around excellent, fair competition. Uh, that includes uh, conference championship events, of course, but it also includes the uh, regular season activities in football and men's and women's basketball and baseball and all of our other sports. And uh, oftentimes that fair competition comes down to um, quality officiating programs. And so we manage uh, and uh, employ uh, staffs of officials in, in all of our sports and, and uh uh, supervise those things and, and uh, work very hard to make sure that um, our student athletes have a chance to uh, demonstrate what they can do on the on the playing surfaces without uh, having to worry about um, anything other than just competing against one another. And so, Bob, you, you mentioned the uh, the Big Twelve uh, championship game being reinstated. Uh, can you talk a little bit about kind of you know that was you guys were kind of one of the last. Big, big, big five conferences to 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 do to, to have that game come back, and there was a lot of discussion about whether to do that or not. How did you go about finally making that decision, and and how has it worked out for you so far? Uh, well, let me a- answer the last uh, first. Uh, it's worked out very well for us. We had about uh, sixty three thousand at AT and T Stadium in uh, here in uh, Arlington, and um, good game between TCU and Oklahoma. Both of them were. We're very good football teams, and so it, um, the end result was a very successful event that ultimately led to Oklahoma being selected for the college football playoff. Uh, the first step in the process, however, was, um, as you know, there, there was a rule that said you can't have a conference championship game with fewer than 12 members, and so we were going to be put in the position of having to add members in, in order to access uh, that um, 13th data point being the the championship game and so uh, we worked hard at the national level to get that rule change so that uh, we didn't have to play divisions we didn't have to have 12 members and and so that was the first step Uh, beyond that we we did a long uh, data analysis on what was going to give us the very best chance to to get a team or more than one team into the college football playoff and and it was determined that playing a championship game did indeed do that even if it was a regular season rematch and even if it was between uh, two teams that had uh, um, uh, were the highest ranked in our in our uh, conference and and as you know that isn't always the case in the other um, in the other conferences because you you oftentimes have the best two teams in one side of the in one division or the other and so um, it was a, a very thoughtful process and one that uh, yielded a decision to go forward and our presidents and chancellors made that decision and and we executed on it and uh, I think it's been a great thing for us. We, we went back and renegotiated with our television partners for the broadcast rights and uh, now one year in we, we feel very good about where we are. You mentioned the, the college football playoff, Bob. And, and and certainly it, it seemed to guide your thinking in terms of having a, a, a championship game. How, how else has the, the college football playoff impacted um, the life within within the various conferences, pluses, minuses? Well, I think it's I think it's been uh, very heavily positive. Um, you wouldn't have to look very far to find someone that would d- disagree with that statement. But at the uh, at the outset, what we sought to do was 
uh, have a fair competition at the end of the year uh, that wasn't selected by uh, uh, the participants not being selected by computer like what we had with the BCS. Right. Uh, we wanted to decide it on the field as much as, as we possibly could uh, while uh, having 13 honest people uh, select the teams. Uh, has its share of volatility. Uh, we we think it's the the very best way to select the teams. But more than anything else, we wanted to make sure that, and um, and have a structure that uh, gave us a good champion, gave us good competition at the end of the year, um, didn't do damage to a bowl system that had been very um, good to college football over a long period of time. We wanted to um, acknowledge and celebrate the fact that. Uh, our um, the months of October and November in college football are arguably the best regular season in all of sports, and we wanted to look for ways to have better intersectional competition in the month of September, and and therefore uh, more quality data points for comparison as the season went on, and and I think uh, the system has been uh, successful in accommodating all of those objectives. And um, now four years in, I feel very good about where we are. Uh, people could uh, reasonably disagree on whether four is the exact right number. We, we may go to six or eight at some point in time, but I don't see that in the near term because I think we're, I think we're pretty happy with uh, where it is. Uh, and uh, the competition's been good. The, the viewership has been good. And um, I, as I said at the outset, I think there are a lot of things that are right about it. So, Bob, it, it looks looking at your uh, your resume or your uh, bio, it looks like you've got you wear a lot of hats, and one of them is is uh, on the Division One Council, um, and you were an inaugural member. Can you tell the the listeners what what it does and and how it operates? Well, the, the NCA Council is uh, has been a body that's been around for a long time in one form or another. Uh, I was on it when it was called the Management Council, and now. It, and prior to that, it was called the NCA Council, and now it's called the NCA Council again. It's a 40-member uh, body that is populated by uh, commissioners, uh, athletic directors, uh, senior women's administrators, uh, faculty representatives uh, from universities uh, from around the country. Uh, in the case of the body that I serve on, uh, they're all Division One, and they um, they essentially serve as the uh, within the governance structure of the association as the chief operating officer. Uh, we manage the legislative processes. We have subgroups. You mentioned the Football Oversight uh, Committee. Uh, that's one of the, the uh, seven subgroups that we have of the council. And um, we're charged with advising the board and, and implementing rules and management of rules and um, it's serving in the role of, uh, of the chief operating body to advise the staff and, and um, put in place the structure that governs um, intercollegiate athletics. And, and of course, uh, we, we always are subject to the instructions of the board of directors, but uh, the intention of the board, which is comprised of presidents and chancellors, um, their, their instruction to us is that they like to operate at 30,000 feet, and, and uh, the council is the, is the body that uh, uh, makes the sausage and does the grinding um, on the day-to-day -day aspects. And so um, it's, a, uh, it's a very interesting process. It's one that 
has been changed somewhat by the uh, implementation of the of the of the autonomy process that allowed the the uh, ACC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the Pac-12, and the SEC to have some prerogatives relative to self-governance. So um, the the body has evolved over time, but generally speaking, it's the uh, it's the principal body of practitioners that uh, help to manage the association. Bob, uh, uh, another, um, I think, great great establishment that you, that you, you set up out there is the, the State of College Athletics Forums. You started, I guess, back in 2014, 15 or so. Um, you know, I, I always look at those from afar as, as getting to the issues off of the field of, of, of play and, and kind of the the issues that often get criticized and are in the news you know, more often than the scores in, in some instances. Could, could you talk some about the, the state of college athletics forums you started? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because we're very proud of the forums. Um, we have um, done six of them. And uh, what we intended to do was take on difficult issues uh, in the in the uh, area of, of collegiate athletics and, and to some extent higher education as well. Uh, we, it, it was our theory, and, and I think it's accurate, that it's harder today to get thorough consideration of the issues in public forums. Uh, it used to be that you could get a six-part series in the newspaper that would really dissect uh, an issue or or get a, a long-form program on uh, television. But the snippets have gotten shorter and shorter, and, and electronic media on, on television and, and the social environment uh, really don't, uh, aren't formatted to, to do a deep dive. And so we identified these as, as ways to bring together people who disagree with one another on the, the substance of the issues, uh, and who uh, really want to uh, think uh, innovatively about how we might solve some of the challenges that we face in intercollegiate athletics. We we did one on on uh, financial conditions in athletics. We did one on on racism in sports. Uh, we did one on sexual assault on college campuses, and particularly. Um, those that are perpetrated by by student athletes, um, it, it has been a um, it has been a, a very uh, enjoyable uh, and at times challenging uh, uh, set of, of forums. But I think that it, they have been largely uh, carried by C-SPAN and uh, and they have been um, widely tweeted and and uh, covered. Uh, in short form uh, features, but uh, I, th I think uh, by any measure they've been very successful, and I think they've allowed us to do some of the deep dives that um, that uh, aren't being done anyplace else. And so, uh, thank you for asking. We we really sure. um, we're we're in the process of working on a couple more right now, and and uh, we think that we'll we'll continue with one or two a year as long as we can have meaningful subjects that uh, people want to listen to. And you're listening to the Wharton Sports Business Show on Sirius XM 111. We are speaking with Bob Bosley, the Big 12 Conference Commissioner. Bob, uh, you mentioned one of the forums uh, is a topic that, that we talked a lot about last week, uh, given the, the Larry Nasser 
um, uh, trial and, and all of the things that came out and the challenges now faced with by Michigan State, uh, the sexual assault on, co- on college campuses. Um, can you speak a little bit to kind of what you might have learned from the forum and maybe some of the actions or, or the things that the, the Big 12 is doing to, to kind of uh, address this, uh, this challenge on campuses? Well, as you know, we, we've been dealing with it um, up close and personal with, uh, with the things that have gone on at Baylor and, and the redemption process that President Livingstone and, and uh, Mac Rhodes and Matt Rule are leading down there. I, I think in the end uh, it will be a story of redemption, but they have lots of work to do, and it, it, was, a, it was an awful a set of occurrences, and and uh, as you mentioned, the the Michigan State and USA gymnastics situation is uh, is horrendous. Uh, there there isn't any other other way to put it. And the uh, the survivors uh, are are to be admired for having the intestinal fortitude to come forward and tell their stories and and hold uh, people accountable. And um, you know, we uh, we brought together people that uh, um, that we knew were going to disagree, um, and and that we knew had uh, had raw nerves on the topic. Uh, we, uh, as an example, uh, Brenda Tracy was one of the panel members, and uh, during uh, her time at Oregon State, and and uh, since then, she's uh, she's done a, a phenomenal job of focusing people around the country on the issue of sexual assault but she um, she is uh, is outspoken and uh, she should be and um, and she was uh, uh, she called everybody to account including myself uh, on the panel and and uh, it was um, uh, difficult at times but I think all of us learned from it, and I think everybody, uh, we, we often have uh, many media in attendance, and uh, I think they all came away with uh, a, a feeling of, of just how horrendous it is to be a victim and a survivor, and um, uh, with a sense of, of what we can all do uh, to, to own the societal um, situations that that create these things and uh, it's going to take all of us it's going to take men it's going to take women it's going to take leaders and people that uh, like brenda tracy uh, are willing to stand up in hurtful situations and say this isn't right and uh, to hold people accountable and and uh, it's uh, i i just think it's a um, um it's an awful awful thing and um the the survivors, um, I, I just uh, don't know where they find the strength sometimes to come forward and and tell their stories. And uh, so, um, it it really is uh, is a way that that we feel like uh, we can we can move the needle. And and I, you know I think I think we did that with regard to uh, racism in sports as well. Uh, we had we had people that we knew were going to be very outspoken on the issues and and. Um, you know, a lot of good things have come out of it. Uh, as a, uh, uh, we had one of the people we had uh, with us was a ESPN and New York Times um, featured um, talent, uh, William Roden, and uh, Bill has was uh, very articulate. But one of the things that's come out of it is uh, we now have 
uh, a minority opportunities program in the Big 12 that works with the Roden Fellows Program, uh, give uh, opportunities to young people of color uh, to be a part of, of uh, some of our championships. They've worked at our football championship, at our media day, and, and we'll be working at our basketball tournament later um, in March. And so um, out of difficult circumstances come, come good progress many times. Yeah, but Bob, I was actually talking with Bill Roden about that th- this weekend at, at the Super Bowl. He's he's very excited about it, about it personally, and and certainly looking for for other ways to to get his fellows involved with conferences and and otherwise. But you know, that we we talk a lot uh, in all conferences. We look a lot at, at basketball and football, and certainly one of my favorite basketball players in the country now is playing in your conference at, at Oklahoma. What what else should we be be looking to? Uh, what else is exciting sports-wise coming out of uh, out of your conference? Well, you know, I, um, we're good in a lot of things. Um, I, I think uh, probably top to bottom in college basketball, we're, uh, our, our men's side is about as uh, balanced as any. Uh, time will tell if we have a really good team, but um, I, I think uh, our competitions on a day-in and day-out basis are, are truly extraordinary. And um, we play at a very high level in women's basketball as well, but you know we also have, uh, you know, we've had uh, we had three of the final eight teams in in baseball a few uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, we won softball national championships and gymnastics national championships and swimming national championships, and we've uh, won wrestling national championships. We're we're good in a lot of things, and I think we were. Uh, in the top four in the country in, in 16 of our 19 championship sports. So at a competitive level, we're competing very well. But um, what I think we need to do, and part of the reason why I, I left Stanford, I, it's, a, it's as you know, it's, a, it's an idyllic uh, spot. It's a wonderful place to live. It, it's an extraordinary learning environment. I, I was living on campus and driving a golf cart back and forth to work. <laughs> We were winning a lot, and you're work, working with wonderful kids and great, great faculty members and great coaches. But one of the reasons that I came to the conference is because I, I wanted to have um, something to say about the national agenda more than you can have from one institution. And I and I think that there's a lot that's right about intercollegiate athletics. Uh, it, it has been a source of tremendous opportunity for. Uh, hundreds of thousands of young people it's uh, the athletic scholarship is the second largest scholarship program in, our, in the history of our country uh, second only to the GI bill so it's it's truly been life changing for a lot of kids but there's there's also a, a lot that that isn't right with it and i think we've begun to correct some of those things i think I think full cost of attendance is the right thing to do um, i think we passed a uh, an array of legislative changes in uh, the recruiting environment for football a year ago that that are the the largest package of recruiting reforms in probably 25 or 30 years and they tended to be very student athlete friendly and and student athlete family friendly um, we just passed a transitional uh, health insurance for for student athletes uh, after they exhaust their eligibility um, I, I think all of those things are are really important, and um, we're in a we're in a time period when uh, we have a an increasingly activist 
uh, student population and student athlete population on campus, and so there there are plenty of challenges to um, affect appropriate change um, on on our campuses and within our programs. But um, and, and Bob, I, I hate to interrupt, but we are up against the end of the show. We could talk like this forever. We really, really appreciate you uh, joining us today. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, great to be with you guys. Thanks very much for having me on. Thanks, thank Bob. You, Bob. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.